Welcome to this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church. Today we have a message that we believe is full of practical and relevant behavioral teaching from God's Word, the Bible. We'd like to invite you to grab a piece of paper and a pen. Take notes as you go through this looking for a personal application from God to you. Sit back and enjoy as we begin this message. Welcome home. Welcome home. <laughs> Years ago, there was a song in Southern Gospel Music. You guys will remember it. Welcome home, my child. Come on in. Welcome home. He'll tell you again and again. Just like a lost sheep, he'll welcome you home. My child, welcome home. Well, I can't wait for that welcome home. I really can't. It's real. It is real. I mean, that welcome home is coming. And what's odd, you know, to me as a human being is I've never been there before. It'll feel like home. Why? Because Jesus is there. You know, years ago, years ago, I mean, years ago when Gina and I, the girls were small and, and of course, still living with us because they were small at the time. We were watching Billy Graham on a, on a, uh, on a broadcast. It was a live broadcast. So anyway, years ago, we were watching Billy Graham on a, on a broadcast, like CBS. It was like Maury Saver or somebody like that. How's, how's that for a name out of the past? I won't be able to tell you what his name was in five minutes. But they were doing an interview with Billy Graham. And, and you know, they were had Billy Graham, can I just tell you, is still my hero? Okay. I've been to Billy Graham Crusades. I've seen him live. How many seen him live? How many seen him live? We know he didn't say he's the prophet of, but I believe he was America's pastor at least for a season. Having said that, uh, we were watching, and, and I think it was Maury Saver or somebody like that. If it was somebody different, don't, please don't write and tell me who it was. I don't care. That's not the point of the story. That's not the point of the story. Whoever the, the person interviewing was said, Billy, Reverend Graham, Reverend Dr. Graham, or whatever it was he called him, what's heaven like? Man, I, you know, Gina and I, we just lay in there in bed. It was about 10 o'clock at night. It was, you know, the girls were in bed. We just lay in there and, and I went into this long litany of theology. I had scripture in mind. I was, I would, how would I answer that? I had all these things lined up, you know, streets of gold, heaven is, you know, this and it's, and it, you know, the, and the, the, all these, you know, mansions that'll have, you know, you know, it's just amazing description of heaven. I'm trying to think of all these biblical things that I'm blank on right now. But anyway, having said that, Gina and I never said a word to each other. And Billy Graham just said, it's where Jesus is. It's where Jesus is. I looked at Gina and said, I actually said, I am so stupid. I am so stupid. Now, I know, moms, I said the S word in church. Excuse me, I did. The kids are back there, so I said the S word in church. Okay. I looked at Gina and I said, I am so stupid. Do you know how many? And she started laughing because she did the same thing. She had all this litany of things. Here's what's going to make it home for you and for me. He's there. And the one I've been talking to without ever seeing face to face, the one I've been talking to in conversations, Vanessa, the one that you've been in tears with, 
and talking to face to face. Probably sending messages through him to Chris. We all do that type of thing. I'm going to tell you. He's there. Both he's are there. And it's going to be a great day. You know, I'm telling you, let me just say, he's probably got dibs on you when you get there. (laughs) I'm just saying, that's the way, that's the way we think. That's the way we guys think. But let me tell you what, he's there. And that's what makes heaven so amazing. So if you don't really know what heaven is like, just fall in love with Jesus. Just fall in love with Christ. You will soon learn the very best. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the lily of the valley. He is heaven's very best rose. And God gave him for you and for me. Are you ready to get into the word? Well, I want to share with you this morning, just I think is just a powerful story. I I want to deal with relevant things. That's the one thing 20 years ago when Gina and I founded St. Charles River Church, we were determined that we were going to be a very relevant church. We were going to talk about things of today. We're not just going to talk about things that happened 2,000 or 6,000 years ago. We're talking about things that happen today because Jesus Christ is a very relevant God. He is very relevant. And He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which is amazing because that means time does not have anything to do with how relevant Christ is. Because man's condition in 2,000 years or 4,000 years or 6,000 years has not changed. We are still desperate for Christ. We're still desperate for an intimate personal relationship with God. We haven't changed that much. Things have changed. Times are a-changing. Music changes. Boy, that's a controversial one in the church, isn't it? Why? Somebody asked me, it was a family member years ago, hadn't been in church in 40 years. Why don't you? I guess he came up and visited us one time. Why don't you do the good old-fashioned hymns like we used to do? I mean, he said it just like that, by the way. A lot of love in that, right? A lot of Jesus in that. Why don't you do it the old-fashioned way? I said, well, it wasn't good enough to keep you there. Must not have been that good. Just a thought. It's just a thought. What Couldn't have been that good. Didn't keep you there. And by the way, I'm a guy that sings hymns all the time. So there you go. I do love them. But heaven, Jesus rather, is relevant at all times. I want to take you back to a story in the book of Acts, chapter 9. I'm just going to, I'm not going to read from it very much, but I'm going to take you. Actually, I'm going to teach out of chapter 10. If you want to turn in your Bibles or flip on your phones... Go ahead and, uh, and light up to Acts chapter 10 and just stay there if you want to, if it's your phone. But uh, Acts chapter 9, now just so you know, in, in, by, in the beginning of Acts chapter 9 is Paul's or Saul's conversion. He gets knocked off a horse on, uh, on the way to Damascus and, uh, and, and God blinds him for three days. He meets Jesus on the road. He actually meets this Christ who is now risen and ascended and he meets him on the road. And so he has this, this, this encounter with him. And a little bit further over, we start actually picking up a story about Peter, Aeneas and Dorcas over in the latter part of chapter nine. Peter is traveling, preaching the gospel. Peter, everybody say Peter's mandate was Jesus. Plain and simple. They were commanded to preach the gospel. It's not that hard. That's our mandate, by the way. It hasn't changed in 2,000 years. Right? We, we, we get different mandates, though, these days, don't we? We got a boat. <laughs> we got the car of our dreams. We get different mandates, don't we? We get the woman or the man of our dreams. We hope. I mean, we got different mandates. I'm living to retire. We get different mandates. But the mandate for the believer, you see, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we adopt a mandate. It's Jesus. 
And so Peter was preaching the gospel around the country. He'd gone into Lydda. He had gone near Joppa. Lydda was near a, a, a city named Joppa. And Joppa is a city actually on, on, is on the, on the sea. It's, it's a city actually on the sea. It's a port city. Very important city. And, uh, as Peter's traveling throughout the country, uh, he gets word. He goes on into Joppa. And he runs into a paralytic man named Aeneas. And he looks right at him and he says, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. The man had been laying there eight years. So this is Peter. I'm picking up on the story of Peter right here. He says, in the name of Jesus, rise up. Pick up your bed. Because Jesus just healed you. I, don't you love that boldness? Don't you love the boldness? So I know people that don't want to get called to a hospital to pray for somebody. What if they die? I've actually heard believers say, what if they die? I heard a believer say, every time I go pray for somebody, they die. And I'll be the first to say, don't come pray for me. But pray at a distance, you know, pray at a distance. But, but Peter's just walking around. This is the, this is what we've been teaching for 20 years. You've been, you've been here a long time, dude. You've heard this. You've taught it. See a need, meet a need. See a need, meet a need. See racism. Pray for deliverance in Jesus name. I'm serious, guys. We got to start looking inside ourselves and asking ourselves, are we praying right? Are we believing right? Are we loving right? Our opinions based on man, our opinions based on what God said. We got to, we've, we got to have a house clean. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Guys, it starts in the house of the Lord. Judgment starts in the house of the Lord. It doesn't start in the world. It starts right here. Racism is sin. We'll declare it right now. Racism is wrong. Racism is sin. It is vile before God. It'll always be vile before God. And anything that's inside... Listen, we can't serve two masters at one time. Either we're haters or we're lovers of God. It cannot happen. It cannot happen. Uh, You'll know why I said that in a second. If you don't know the story... So Peter goes, the word goes out, he raises up this, this Aeneas there, and the word goes out, he goes, uh, he goes uh, around and he is healing people. And, and I'm going to pick up in, actually just a little bit in verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which uh, translated as Dorcas, and uh, who was always doing good. She was a godly woman, in other words, and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and she died, and word went out to Peter. And I'm just going to tell you, word went out to Peter. Come, we need you to pray for this woman. We've heard of the miracles that you're doing. We want you to come and pray for Dorcas. Come and pray for this woman. She is dying. By the time Peter gets there, she had died and he's escorted up the steps and he sees the widows all all crying and they're brokenhearted and the widows begin to show Peter, this man of God, they begin to show Peter the different clothing that she had made. She was probably a seamstress. Maybe she did it for the poor. Uh, And you know, no telling who she did it for, but she was a good woman and she was uh, known for making clothing. And so Peter was observing all of that and he finally just told the ladies and, and everyone, just the disciples, every, the other believers, go on downstairs. I think go on downstairs. Just go on downstairs. So he got down on his knees and he, he commanded Dorcas to, to come alive. Wake up. She sits up. She's, and he's seeing that she sat up. Peter grabs a hold of her. And I'm just telling you the story because it's a faith builder. Do, do, do you know, if you don't know the story, you need to read it. It's a great story. So it's a faith builder. He helps her up. He walks her downstairs and the word goes throughout Joppa 
of what took place. Do you know when God does something supernaturally, it changes people, not just the dead. It brings the dead back to life. But when God does something supernatural, people want in on that. Why do you think so many... You've heard me say this for 20 years. Why do you think so many people followed Jesus wherever He went? They were wanting to see it. There were some there for the sideshow. They were voyeurs. There were some that were just miraculously caught up with it. And others loved Jesus. Okay? So they, there were multiple reasons why people followed. But wherever there were miracles, word went out, Dorcas was dead. This prophet, this Peter, walks in and raises her up and walks her back down the steps and he presents her. That's what the word says. He presents her to them. This woman once was dead, is now alive in the name of Jesus. Don't you love? Don't you love? You know, Saul, who once was a tormentor of, of Christians, rise up as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ. Let me introduce you to him. Barnabas had to do that. Barnabas had to present him. Just to give credibility. He's not going to kill you. Now his name's Paul. He's not going to kill you. I'll put my reputation on the line. Uh, uh, he did. Barnabas would introduce him to people and make connections so people weren't running the other direction because this guy was known as a torturer. Jump down to, just so you know, the word goes out of this healing and he moves in. He takes residence up with Simon the Tanner there in Joppa. He's invited to stay for a while. I think I'd invite him to stay for a while too. I think I want that guy around for a long time. I'd give him a summer home right there in Joppa. Don't you? Don't you think you'd give him a boat? A few skis? I mean, I want that guy sticking around. Listen, real men and women of God, people want to be around you. Real men and women of God, listen to me. People want to be around you. They're glad when you walk in the room and they're sorry when you leave. Because you make a difference in the room. You bring life to a room. You bring hope to a room. Can I just stop real quick and just say, Ramona, Justin is in heaven with the Lord. Those of you that are watching on broadcast, many of you may not know who Justin and Ramona are. But they're two of the finest believers I've ever met, and I love them with all our hearts. Justin is with the Lord right now, and I know that Justin is dancing. He is dancing. Give the Justin and Ramona a huge hand, guys. Go ahead. He was set free during COVID-19, and it had nothing to do with COVID-19, but he was set free. He whom the Son sets free, by the way, is. So in so the word goes out, Peter is now staying at Simon the Tanner's house, and I'm going to read to you a little bit if you don't mind. Uh, it is starting at, at, at chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, who is well known in the Italian regiment. By the way, he was a leader in the Italian regiment. Led thousands of men in the Italian. So he's a leader. This is a man's man. This is a, this is a man's man. He is a warrior, a soldier. Uh, he is a Gentile. And so he is not exactly a friend of the Jew, if you know what I mean. Now you understand why I said what I said about racism. Did you understand what I said about racism? This is not a man that's fond of Jews necessarily, or this, this, this class of people, the Gentile. And, and Jews were very afraid of Roman guard. This is not your top ten invite them over to dinner list. You understand that? He says he and his family, 
He, uh, uh, Cornelius, rather, he and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him with, with fear, and I would too, if some voice out of heaven spoke to me. I'd probably freeze like you've never seen me freeze. He says, what is it, Lord, which was custom for the Jewish community, especially if they recognized a, an angel or a heavenly being, it was very common. They would refer to him or her, whatever, as Lord, whatever it was, it was Lord. And so that's a common respect uh, recognition. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon, the tanner, uh, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius sent for two of his servants, a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So they were going to go on Cornelius's behalf to get Peter at, at Simon's house in uh, Joppa. And this was about a day's walk, by the way, about a little over a day's walk. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and apparently approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles uh, of the earth and uh, birds of the air. And then a voice from, from a voice told him rather, get up Peter and eat. Now, if you know Jewish law, you know what Peter's about to say. He said, surely not Lord. Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Did you hear that? Don't call anything unclean that God has made clean. If God cleaned it, it's clean. If God loves it, it's clean. If God loves it, it's valuable. Don't call anything unclean, no matter what your law says, don't call it unclean. People masked racism by laws years ago. Still do. The voice spoke to him a second time. Don't call anything unclean or impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. How many know Peter has a track record of heaven to have things happen three times? He had to deny Christ three times. He had to be forgiven three times. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I do. Peter, do you, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do. And then finally, the agape. Peter, do you agape me? In other words, do you love me unconditionally? Lord, you know I did. Then Peter, feed my sheep. Peter has a history of needing things done three times. So he, he argued with God another three times on this occasion. This happened three times and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. And they called out asking if Simon, who is known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Go down and go. get So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. You know why he said don't hesitate to go with them? Because Peter would have hesitated to go with them. How many know God only says what he says because he's recognizing, let me get your objection taken care of before you even do it. God's looking for immediate obedience from us. He's not looking for, let me think this through. 
Let me reason this through. I mean, let me just kind of pray about God. You know, can I just tell you honestly, this is going to be a statement you may have never heard a pastor say, and I may get thrown out of the assemblies of God for saying it, but that's okay. I believe God's tired of us praying about things. He's ready for us to do something. Now, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those of us that hide behind the phrase. I used to hide behind it. I had a master's degree in hiding behind the phrase. Let me pray about it. I had a master's degree. And I used it a lot. It sure sounded religious. And it sounded very, very spirit-filled and deep. Let me pray about it. And then do nothing. You know, there's a lot of people praying doing nothing. God's ready for us to stop praying and do something. I only got three of you agreed with that. Does anybody on this broadcast agree with that? God's ready for us to actually start doing something. Our, our mandate is... Oh, well, did I lose half of you? I said our mandate is... Jesus. Our mission is people. Remember that. I'll, I'll try and revisit that again. So let me just tell you the story real quick. It's a great story. So Peter, he like invites him and he said, you know, Cornelius sent us and... We'd sure love for you to come and visit our master, you know. And Peter says, well, come on in to, you know, he invites somebody into somebody else's house. I love the, I love that. Just come on in to Simon the Tanner's house. Come on in, we'll feed you. Simon the Tanner, he's not even in here recorded, but he's like, am I footing the bill for the meal or what's going on here? So he invites these guys in. If you ever read the New Testament in a way that I think is funny sometimes, the stuff that just happens, we don't pick it up. How would it be if I go to Randy and Sandy's house tonight, they invite me over to dinner, and I call three families over and say, come on over to Randy and Sandy's house. Now, you guys would be fine with it. I know you. But some of you would be like, why are you inviting them? We want to spend time with you. Well, anyway, so Peter invites these guys in. They go in, and they, Peter agrees to go. Packs up. They go over to Cornelius' house. When they arrive, I'm just going to tell you the story now. But you need to read the whole story. And those of you watching by broadcast, please read the story. It's a great story. So, so Peter goes in. Cornelius, first thing he does. If you, do you know the story? First thing he does when he greets Peter, he bows to a knee to greet him. Now, the significance of this is no Roman soldier bows to a Jew. Do you understand? I mean, are you catching the significance? No Roman soldier, especially the head of a regiment of thousands of men, bows to a race that they are superior to. Get that. Grab that. The humility of welcoming him into his home on one knee. I mean, that's amazing to me. That's powerful to me. And in the light of all the things that are going on in my lifetime. By the way, I went through the 60s. I remember the 60s. Let me tell you. I'll say it again. Red and yellow. Black and white. We're all precious in God's sight. Do you know what Peter said? Peter actually says it in here. He says, what I have learned is that when God says, I've made something clean, I'm declare, I am to declare nothing unclean that God has declared clean. God loves all men. And he even says it. It's in that chapter that God has created all men equal and to be loved by God. And Jesus said again in John 13, all men will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. And if you're comfortable with each other's racial history. How many know that is not what he said? That is not what he said. All men will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. 
Now, I'm going to tell you an embarrassing story on me yesterday, or was it whatever day I went to Springfield. I'm going to tell you an embarrassing story. So I get, I am buzzing down 44, and I get off on 65 to go into Branson. I went to see Dad just this last week, and I met the nicest police officer. I did. I met the nicest police officer. If you're watching, you know who you are. I did. He was the nicest guy. He had a beautiful motorcycle. Well, I loved his motorcycle. He trailed me. I don't know. He said on the thing, that little piece of paper that he gave me, he said he trailed me for 407 feet. Don't you want to know how fast I was going? Well, I'm not going to tell you. But I had my cruise control set on. I had just gotten off of 44. The speed limit is about 10 miles an hour over what it is on 65. So I just reset. I hit resume. I had a rental car. I just hit resume. And it resumed. And I was kind of buzzing along with everybody else. And I saw this gorgeous uh, Harley Davidson pull in behind me with the most beautiful multicolored lights I've ever seen. And, and, and it took me. I was in the fast lane. Aren't you embarrassed for me? Aren't you a little bit embarrassed? For, I'm a little bit embarrassed for me, but I'm going to be real with you. Don't act like you've never got a ticket before. Now, my wife has never gotten a ticket. Now, that really rips me off. I'm going to set her up one day to get a ticket. But I don't want to come too far off point. So anyway, this officer writes me the nicest letter. Wants to meet me again in such and such a courtroom. It's a beautiful thing. I was just, I was, I was just listening to great music and, and buzzing along. And so when he gave me the ticket, I stopped him. I said, I want to tell you something. Can I just share something with you? He said, sure. I said, dude, you are the nicest guy. Thank you for your, your kindness. Thank you for that. He said, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Nobody says that. I said, no, I mean that. I, I already got the ticket. I'm not trying to schmooze him. I got it in my hand. I've signed it already. And, and he, he's, I said, no, I'm serious. I just want to tell you, you're kind. And your disposition is very kind. Well, thank you. I went on my way. I was rejoicing in the Lord. <laughs> I was trying to figure out, do I tell Gina or don't I tell Gina? <laughs> don't act like you haven't done that. Don't act like Eric Rios. Don't act like you haven't done that. Don't you dare act like you haven't done that. And uh, by the way, if you're watching by broadcast, yes, we are real. So long story short, on the way back, I had lunch with Dad. I only spent about two hours with Dad. I brought his lunch to him. Then I talked with him for a little while. And I got back in my little old rental car and headed back to... What's that? What, I headed back to St. Louis. I am getting off at, I had to use the restroom. I stopped at Sunshine, at, how many know the Sunshine exit at 65? I got off there, I got, uh, there's this little come and go, that, a little gas station there. I got off there. As I pulled into my spot, the most beautiful little motorcycle pulled up right next to me. And I looked up to my left, and there was Officer Kaufman. My friend. Now my flesh went one direction. And my spirit, they, they were in a war with each other. But I sit there, and honestly, this is, was my, my, my thought was this. This brother is the sweetest guy I think I've met in a long time. So I got out of that car and said, hey, man. He said, what are you doing here? And he walks over. You know, I do a fist bump. He's like, man, he said, are you, are, haven't you got to your dad yet? I told him what I was doing. He, I said, yeah, he's a great guy. I love my dad. He's he said, well, what, so how often, he starts asking questions about my family, how, how often we do this. And, I, and it, great conversation for about five minutes. I said, by the way, I got to go to the restroom. He said, me too, let's go. So we walk towards the restroom and we're going to the restroom in this come and go, the ticket master that gave it to me just a, two hours before. And we're walking in, we go to the restroom, we're talking to each other. We broke the rule in the men's restroom, but we're talking to each other. And then, and then we go back out and man, I say, 
I, I want to tell you something. You, you, I'm, I said this to you a couple hours ago. You are genuinely kind and you're very disarming. And I just appreciate that so much. Thank you. I've got family that's police officers, state patrolmen. I said, I just want to tell you, I want you to know we appreciate what you do and who you are. And he's like, thank you. That is genuinely kind. What do you do for a living? I was so glad I responded the way that I did. I said, well, actually, it's the one time I will actually admit it. Uh, I said, well, my wife and I pastor St. Charles River Church up in the St. Charles area. He said, that explains it. That explains it. Don't you love when people can think, oh, that explains it. He knows Jesus. That you remember when the two disciples were called before the Sanhedrin because they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and they said, well, what have you been... Oh, you've been keeping company with Jesus? That explains it. I believe we ought to be that explains it kind of people, don't you? We ought to be that kind of people that people would go, ah, that explains it. Instead of, yeah, that explains it. Do you understand the difference? So Peter starts preaching the gospel. I'll wrap this up. Peter starts preaching the gospel to these people that he racially has issue with. And they, guess, guess what Cornelius does? He invites his friends and family to church. I said he invites his friends and families to church. Well, no, he invited them to his house. Yeah, that's what I said, to church. The gospel is being preached there and he invites them in. While he's preaching, they all receive Jesus Christ because he's preaching the gospel of how Christ died, gave his life for all mankind. And they're hearing this from someone who's supposed to hate them. Who... His, his family does hate them and despise them as Romans and, and Gentiles, not born of God, you know. And, and, and Peter, by the way, thought that too. He believed he had to become circumcised first to become a Christian. And then all of a sudden, this, it even says it in the story, the circumcised were amazed at those in Cornelius' household who began to speak in an unknown tongue. Because why? They're not circumcised. They're not. How can this be? It's against my law. It's against what I'm comfortable with. Because you see, we're, we have something they don't have. Is it just, can I just say it to all of us in this audience? Racism is abhorrent before God. It'll never be acceptable before God. Now, I, I'm just telling you, Peter's obedient to the Lord. He's preaching the gospel. And then when they all get saved and they're all pre- praying in the Spirit in tongues, this is what... Peter says, look, I can't think of any reason why these people can't be baptized. <laughs> I'm trying. Now, he didn't say that. But this is kind of what the conversation is going back and forth in Peter's head. We never baptize people that are not circumcised. I, this is where Peter's at. We don't baptize Gentiles. It breaks the rules. Do you know what? God breaks all the rules. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. He was accused of healing on the Sabbath. People got mad he healed on the Sabbath. And this is what he said to him: I am the Sabbath. I am the Sabbath. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. It was created to serve you. And you were not created to serve the Sabbath. There you go. Feel like a Seinfeld episode. There you have it. It's just that way. And so they gave their life. They were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, the the word went out what happened in Cornelius' household. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could drop, if there are prejudices and 
and racism thoughts in our mind. And I'm not talking about just black and white. It's the whole idea of because people are different than me. Can I tell you, did you hear the main word there? Main two words, people are. People are, and I'm going to finish it with a new ending, the love of God's life. People, people. So I just want to ask you this morning, and I'm going to wrap this up. Would you bow your heads with me and let me pray a corporate prayer over us as a church? I can only be responsible for what we preach and teach here at St. Charles River Church But we are going to recognize that there are days in our past where all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That's just all there is to it. And sometimes part of that is racism. Sometimes part of that is, you know, making statements about people at the border. Because, and and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about whether something is the law. And I'm talking about being angry at people because they might want something better for the family. But they don't deserve it. I got news. I, I didn't choose to be born in America. I was privileged to be born in America. I was privileged to be born here. And many were not privileged to be born here. But they are people. And they are God's very best. And compassion, compassion, red, yellow, black, brown, white. Compassion is always right. Love is always right. Racism is always sin. It's always wrong. It will always be wrong. And we will declare it to be that in Jesus' name. Father, I ask for the nations that the church will rise up as the voice of loving all people equally. Loving all people that the Creator created to be equal with each other. To love each other. Cultures set aside. We recognize that cultures are different. Of course they are. Of course they are. They would be. They would be. Cultures are beautiful if we'll learn to respect and admire the different cultures instead of feel uncomfortable with them. Cultures are different, beautiful things that God gave to man. The uniqueness of man. He created. No one was born accidentally black, white, brown, or or Asian. No one was born accidentally. God created them providentially who they are. And God, we recognize that you created us who we are. On purpose, with purpose, born in love and with a purpose to reach each other and love each other and have fellowship with you no matter what our skin color is or our culture background. Father, in Jesus' name, set us free as the people of God. Set us free as the people of God from racism, from hate, from harsh words that are spoken in, in just lack of thought but in, and in total ignorance to what those words actually mean. Forgive us of our sin and I ask that you would hear our cry from heaven and heal our land as we turn from our wicked ways. In the name of Jesus and every believer said... Amen. Give a shout to the Lord, a huge shout. We hope you found this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church both beneficial and enjoyable. If you're ever in the area, please come by and visit us. At You can also reach us online at www.stcharlesriverchurch.org.